This is the Cincinnati Soundbox podcast. I'm Alexander Kowling-Smith, and joining me today is Christina Spinet, who's a freelance composer based in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you for having me on. So Christina is one of our uh, new concerto project composers. Uh, Christina, uh, tell us about your upcoming concerto, please. Sure. Well, um, last year, the clarinetist who I have a group with, Emily Tyndall, approached me about writing a clarinet concerto for her. And this was in April before I knew about Rachel's project. Um, so I was thinking about it and I had a little time and I thought, sure, I'm going to commit to writing a clarinet concerto for Emily because um, she's such a wonderful player and I've never actually written a concerto before. So it would be good to have in my repertoire and just a fun project to work on. And then a few months later, I got an email from Rachel about the concerto project. So I thought this is absolutely perfect timing. I have a player that's interested. I've had this in the back of my mind for a while to do a concerto for clarinet, so I am so happy to be a part of this project. It all came together. Oh, excellent. Um, so could you maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, about what the piece is or, or anything you care to share about that? Sure. So it's in two movements. Um, the first movement, lately I've been very interested in simple, exposed melody because I feel like it's something that isn't given a lot of value in contemporary music, melody. You know, a lot is about texture and gesture, and, and I feel like melody kind of goes by the wayside. Um, and my music, when I first started composing, was always very melodic. I loved opera. I grew up listening to Italian opera, so I was very into melody. Uh, and I went away from that a little bit. So I figured I want to write this first movement as a very exposed, very lyrical melody for the clarinet and everything in the orchestra. Uh, so it's for string orchestra and clarinet. So everything in the string orchestra will be a little bit more sparse, um, a little bit kind of in the background. I was thinking in a way of writing a structure that's kind of like a pop song. Um, the first movement is about four and a half minutes. And I wanted it to just sound like a song for clarinet. Um, so that's the first movement. And I like the way it turned out. I'm very happy with it. And the second movement is actually part of a piece that I wrote for Sound Riot um, for a dance called Foco. And it was originally for clarinet, cello, piano, and marimba. And so I wrote it in the fall. Um, and I told Emily that the piece that I'm writing for this dance would turn into a movement for the concerto. So I kind of had that in my in my head that as I was writing this piece for a small ensemble, it was going to turn into something larger. Um, so the second movement is very fast and very rhythmic, um, maybe a little jazzy even. There's some ostinatos in there. Um, and so two contrasting movements, and the whole thing is about nine and a half minutes. Fantastic. Um, so given that you've just, uh, well, you're, you're almost about to finish this piece. Um, do you want to go into, do you want to go into your, uh, your workflow or how you, how you go about writing? Sure. Um, I find, I was just talking about 
the, the writing process with another composer and he was telling me that he likes to go on these retreats and you know he, he had a residency at the Copeland House and he likes to have everything very quiet and I was listening to him and I was thinking that's completely opposite of the way I compose. I need to kind of have uh, a lot going on around me to be able to focus which is strange but it works really well for me. Um, I write at the piano, I have my laptop on top of the piano and I'll write for maybe an hour and then I get very antsy, so I have to go do something. I'll go for a walk or like dance around the house or just go do some mundane task. And then I go back to writing. So it's a lot of like short spurts of writing and then I have to go away from it and come back and go away from it and come back. Um, it's hard for me to just sit down at the piano for hours on end writing. It just doesn't work for me. Um, the best writing sessions that I have, when I can focus the most, is like if I go out dancing the night before, <laughs> I feel like I have to do some kind of like physical activity to be able to really focus well to write. Um, so I don't know, I, I guess I liken it to a painter who is close to their canvas and has to stand back and take a break from it and then go closer and work on it and stand back. There's a lot of that going on. Um, a lot of movement, I guess, when I write. It's the best way to describe it. And it also sounds like you uh, th these extracurricular activities inform what you what you do when you're composing. So you mentioned uh, that you were influenced by 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 dance in this yeah. in this upcoming piece. Yes, uh, the second movement in particular, but I think the first movement also. Um, I, I always have movement in the back of my head when I'm writing. Um, I say that if I can't move around to what I'm writing, if I can't dance to it, then I tend to chuck it, I throw it out, I think it's not good. Um, so there's there's that in it, yeah. If I have days on end to do nothing but write, and I'm just inside in my studio writing, I don't really like the material that I produce. It, it's a little stagnant to me. Um, so yeah, everything I do informs what I'm currently working on. Uh, excellent. Um, are you involved in this upcoming uh, Soundright concert on Valentine's Day? Yes, yes, yes. I have two pieces in it. Uh, the piece Lilt, which turned into the second movement of the concerto, um, and a piece for cello and marimba. And Colleen, of course, is playing the marimba part. Excellent. And I believe also you're involved in the the upcoming concert with Soundbox yeah, yeah. I did a piece uh, for for Colleen for three coffee cans. It had to be an unconventional percussion challenge, and I had I drink a lot of coffee, as is probably <laughs> quite evident. Um, and so I had a bunch of these coffee cans lying around, and I thought, well, this is perfect. And I wanted to manipulate each one so it sounded different. So in one of the coffee cans, it doubles as a shaker. I put a lot of uh, sugar packets inside of it. The other coffee can is kind of like, I was thinking of it as like a snare drum. I put some coins in there. Um, and the third one I turned upside down and that one was meant to be played on the metal part of the can, not the plastic lid. So I was trying to get as many different sounds from them as possible. It was fun to work on. I liked that piece. Uh, excellent. Uh, do, you, do you have a favorite kind of coffee? At well, all? You know, I can't really get it here in Nashville. It's Melita European Roast, but I can only get the, um, I'm sorry, Melita Vienna Roast is my favorite, but I can only get the European Roast here. So that 
that's my second favorite. Oh, okay. And they they make them in because <laughs> I only know them from uh, from packets because we get them in, a, in in Australia as well. Oh, really? And, and we 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 only get the foil packets. So, because um, huh. I because I kind of like like when I I don't drink coffee anymore. Actually, I um I uh, I, I mainly drink tea now, which is. Uh, not not so fun when you say oh you know let's let's go out for let's go out for tea <laughs> rather than let's go out for coffee coffee's much more sexy i think <laughs> uh i don't know coffee's much more intellectual the tea's a bit you think uh, yeah tea's tea's very relaxation like and i don't know there are a bunch of tea places here in nashville that are super trendy to go to so there's a place called high garden which has every kind of tea you can possibly imagine and the owner of it she's amazing she's like a like a good witch she looks like the good witch from the wizard of oz she's beautiful and she'll diagnose you with you know if you have a cold or this or that there's a tea for all of your problems or you can't sleep there's a tea for that you know so it's kind of like an apothecary i i don't know it's it's kind of cool in nashville i feel oh, like. cool. i mean yes there are tons of coffee places um like really pretentious ones too but Tea is hip over here. <laughs> do they do coffee in bowls in Nashville yet? You know, these giant no. latte bowls? No, but they used to do that at Cozy. Do you know that chain, Cozy? No. Oh, it's a huge chain. Or it was. I don't know if it's still around. I think they went bankrupt. Um, so it was a fondue place, kind of, and coffee and sandwich place. And they had these cappuccinos and these, like, gigantic bowls. And I remember drinking one once, and I didn't realize it was late at night. And I tried to go to sleep, and my heart was beating out of my chest. It was awful. It was like a soup bowl of coffee. It's ridiculous. So it was uh, just black coffee or a, or a latte? A latte, like in a soup bowl. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds more like a, an after-lunch after yeah, lunch kind well, of thing. I wasn't thinking. No, that's um, hey, we've all been there. <laughs> we've got a bit of a block here on what's here in Cincinnati. See, when you when you it's a bit, bit of a secret here. When you're studying, turns out you don't actually go out and see all that much. Well, it's hard when you're in your own world, right? And you're focused on something to get out, and it is. It's very hard. Like I remember after I graduated, I thought, well, why didn't I? Why didn't I make it to these? you know venues downtown more often what was i doing always on the upper west side but it's because i was in school and you know you you you're so focused on something that it's hard to kind of get out of that little space right you're in you're in new york you're at juilliard was it yeah yeah i was there and i'm i mean for the most part i was always like uptown midtown i didn't venture too far downtown for some weird reason because the subways take forever to go down there and, I don't know, excuses, excuses. And you're so just focused on your own little neighborhood and what's going on there. It's, yeah, it's funny. Don't get out. Uh, explore what, different what places. What was it like to, to, to be at Juilliard? It was interesting. It was fun. I mean, I was there forever. I started in pre-college, so I was there when I was 15. I would go into the city every Saturday because I lived... Um, I'm from Stamford, Connecticut, which is 45 minutes outside of New York. So I would just, you know, take the train in or drive in every Saturday. And then I was there for undergrad and then I was there for master's. So it was, what, eight years? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> long, long time. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a great community. And the people that you go to school with, <clears throat> you end up working with, you know, years later, even if you don't see somebody for like 10 years. 
it's funny, the music world is a small one, so I'm always bumping into people that I went to school with. And, so it's a really wonderful community. It was an, it was an interesting, uh, some of the classes were interesting. Yeah, you got lots of performances, <laughs> I'd imagine, because New York seems to be a very happening city for well, that. Well, yes, but the thing is, there it's very happening, but it's so happening that no one goes to concerts because there are so many of them, you know? Like, it's the same group of, uh, what, maybe 100, 200 people that are interested in new music. So it's, right. Yeah, you know, I found, after I moved to Nashville, I found a better type of audience here because everybody is very enthusiastic about music. New music, contemporary music, classical music, anything. People are just so enthusiastic about it. I had a friend in town... Um, she lives in Minnesota, but we went to school together. And she was amazed. She's like, these people, you know, they give a standing ovation for something that's, I mean, it's good, but it's not like fantastic. They're, wherever you go out, it's always a standing ovation, like at the symphony, at a chamber music concert. It's amazing. People really appreciate stuff so much more here. So I found the audience here to be way more inspiring than the audience in New York. That's fantastic. You'd never think of... Uh of Nashville as, as, as a hotbed of, of new music? Well, I think because it's a city of musicians who, I mean, they're musicians, so they're interested in all kinds of music and um, they appreciate what goes into contemporary concert music, even though maybe it's not their favorite thing, but they can see the skill and the craft behind it. Um, and it's different from what they do, so they're into it. Yeah, I, I didn't expect such an enthusiastic audience but that's what I found and it's great maybe you can tell me about about working with Colleen it sounds like you've uh, an extensive working history yes so I met Colleen two years ago I guess we had I think I moved to Nashville a little bit after she had um, she was doing a TV show Nashville State of the Arts that she was trying to get going um, at the Nashville Community College uh, not Community College sorry Nashville College and she approached me she's like well why don't we get a group together and we'll make an ensemble and you can write for the ensemble and it was basically her idea that formed into Sound Riot so it's pretty cool it's percussion clarinet cello we have a singer piano um and yeah Colleen has all these amazing ideas for different projects around town and um, it was it was her idea to do this benefit Valentine's Day concert. So she's she's a force that Colleen Phelps. Yeah, and uh, what what strikes me about about uh, I, I interviewed her um, uh, last last week was she's very softly spoken at least in at least in the interview. Yeah, maybe it was just the interview. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's she's great. She's to the point, and you always know where you stand with her. She's great. It's wonderful. You can catch Sound Riot at the Galentine's Day concert on Monday the 13th of February at 7.30pm at the West End United Methodist Church. That's at 2200 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. This has been the Cincinnati Soundbox Podcast. I'm Alexander Calding-Smith. You can follow us on Twitter at Cincy Soundbox, on Facebook, Cincinnati Soundbox, as well as go to our website at www.cincinnatisoundbox.org. Thanks for listening.